Living with commitment, conviction, and courage. Next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. With all that we've been through recently and continue to go through, don't you get the feeling that Jesus is coming for his church very soon? It could happen at any moment. With that in mind, how should we be living? Well, we find the answer in the book of Daniel. And we've just begun a new series in Daniel on abounding grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In this, our first message, we're focusing on the purity displayed in Daniel. Pastor Ed believes the world as we know it needs more people like Daniel who stand for righteousness. You know, we have that phrase, we're on a need-to-know basis, and we'll know when we need to know. Well, God has us on a need-to-know basis, and He will reveal to us what we need to know when we need to know it. And so, because Daniel is such a powerful book of purity, and such an accurate book of prophecy, it's again one of the books that's highlighted in the Bible that critics love to come against. And because people like to get distracted with criticism and arguing, and so people will attack Daniel. And they'll say Daniel's not legitimate, it's not a real book of the Bible, it's not, it's not inspired by God. And Daniel, we find, was thrown into a lion's den, as we study, by King Darius. But today we find Daniel being thrown into the critic's den because it confounds the critics. They have to do something with Daniel because it interrupts their whole worldview. They don't know what to do with it, so they decide to minimize it and ridicule it. This has happened to you before, you know. As you're arguing with someone and the person doesn't have an answer, what do they do? They attack you. Say, well, you know, what do you think about this? Well, I think about this. Well, no, I don't think about this. Well, you know what? I think you're ugly. Oh, man, where'd that come from? Well, it's just something to get you off track. It's actually not a part of the argument at all. It's It's an emotional attack. In logic, they call that an ad hominem. They attack the person because they have no argument on facts. And it happens far more than you realize, where things get personal. And if you've ever referred to some, wow, that got personal real fast, That is probably getting you off track of what the reality was, and it became something interpersonal because the person, the other person you were talking to didn't really have an answer for the facts. So they got to get you off track. Well, that's what they do with the Bible, and that's what they've done with Daniel in particular. Perhaps the largest accusation, and again, these are all preparatory things before we get into the book itself, but the largest accusation against Daniel is that he didn't write it, that he wasn't the author that it wasn't really, it, that it really wasn't written by him predicting the future, but actually written by someone else looking back on human history and writing it as a lie. That the author really wasn't speaking truth predictively, that God wasn't the author of Daniel. Daniel didn't write it, but rather someone wrote it afterwards. A third century heretic declared that the book of Daniel was a forgery written during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes and the Maccabees, which would have dated it around 170 BC, almost 400 years after Daniel lived. 
And since then, the liberal scholars have battled to make Daniel irrelevant and unimportant. Why? Because if Daniel didn't write it, then God's not God. If Daniel's not the author, and this isn't an accurate book of God, then God's not God. That, and if God's not God, then the entire salvation story is not true. That's why Genesis 1-1 is under such great attack. Because if there's no creator, then there's no creation, there's no salvation story. If you can undermine the reality of God creator, who created humans in his own image, and created a life and a direction and everything about us, if there's no God, then there's no accountability. And if there's no accountability, there's no need to be saved. If there's no need to be saved, then Jesus is irrelevant. As we would see in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is empty. Well, if Daniel didn't write Daniel, our faith is empty. If God didn't in the beginning create, then our faith is empty. And that's why there's a constant undermining. And that, that's why when you're talking to people on a much lower level, you know, just kind of talking at work and talking about the things of God, Almost inevitably, you will meet someone. So, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. It's filled with contradictions. Can I just ask you? I'm going to teach you how to handle that so you're not so tripped up by that. Because that, that sounds like a pretty serious uh, accusation. The Bible is filled with accusations. This is how you handle it. Show me one. Well, you know, and they may have something and say, well, can you show me? So let them, let them answer. Like, have a conversation. You don't have to argue about stuff. Have a conversation. Show me one. And they might throw one out in the middle of, you know, make something up. Then you respond, can you show me in the Bible what verse you're referring to? That will change the whole conversation. Now you may judge. Now you go, wait a minute, Ed. What if they show me the verse? <laughs> well, with a little bit of study, you can answer anybody's accusation. Just a little bit. Not even a lot of study. A little. The, the tools that are available today are amazing. So it's okay if they go that far. It's okay. You can call Calvary Life if you like. Ask one of the pastors. They'll help you find the answer. So you've got resources for that. But, but if you put it back to a verse, then you're, you're causing that person to root their accusation in a fact. And really, they're going to have to find two verses. If the Bible contradicts this, they're going to have to give you two. And in this case, I would say at the very beginning, don't offer them your Bible. Let them find one. Let them put it back on them. You know, maybe, well, I don't have a Bible. Well, I'll get you one then. And you can take one of the Bibles and give it to them that's here. And don't be so quick to, you know, be overwhelmed by, well, the Bible's full of contradictions. Really? Can you share one you found? Well, you know, such and such and so. Oh, yeah, you know, I kind of heard about that one. Can you, can you tell me the verse? You, well, where, in that, where in the Bible is that? Because I really want to help you. Well, well, no, no, no. I mean, really, I want to help you with this. Well, you know, I don't even have a Bible. Okay, I'll bring one tomorrow. Well, I didn't say I wanted one. I just said I didn't have one. You know, it's like, but, but you're building a bridge with someone. You're not arguing. You don't have anything to defend. You don't have anything to, to, to be defensive about. Let's just talk. If they want to talk about the Bible, even if it's about a contradiction, that's fine. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you learned. Tell, tell me where you're coming from. I'm willing to talk to you about it. And then I'm going to root it in the text. Because if I can get them into the text, God uses his word in powerful ways. It's a powerful thing to open the Bible with someone. It's not just my opinion that there. It's not just an opinion that there are contradictions. Well, which one? You know, there's millions of them. Okay, well, just show me one. Two. Let's talk about it. Because it may not be a contradiction. You might be wrong. 
There's a good answer for what you read or what you misunderstood. You know, God through Daniel predicted, this is amazing, through Daniel, God predicted the rise and fall of world empires with amazing accuracy. So amazing that they are 100% accurate. And that's what confounds the critic. The accuracies of prophecy are amazing. It was Josephus, the Jewish historian, in his Antiquities of the Jews, volume 1, page 388 from the volume I was using, tells us how in 322 BC, Alexander the Great was coming down through the Middle East, conquering the known world. He was absolutely unstoppable. And he came to the area today known as Israel, and he came right into Jerusalem. And he was approached by a priest with a scroll of Daniel in his hand. And he tells Alexander that he's mentioned in the Bible. And he shows him how he fit into the prophetic picture of God. And Alexander, it said, Josephus writes, was so moved and touched that he would be mentioned in the Bible that he spared the city of Jerusalem and moved on. Secular history records this event, as does Daniel prophetically. Even the book itself claims to be written by Daniel. Fifteen times the book itself claims to be written by Daniel. You know, again, if you want to go through, if if you just want to turn the page because you're in Daniel 1, if you look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 2, it says, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in a vision, verse 2. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of the king, a vision appeared to who? Me. To me, Daniel. After the one that appeared the first time. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, what does your Bible say? Daniel, understood by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord given through Jeremiah the prophet. So check this out. We won't get here for a while, but check this out. Daniel is reading the Bible. He's reading in Jeremiah. And as he's reading in Jeremiah, he recognizes that the word of the Lord that would be accomplished 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So here's Daniel reading Jeremiah, getting insight from God. I mean, we'll get there eventually. Daniel chapter 10, verse 7. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Daniel claims to be the author on more than one occasion. It certainly sounds like he wrote it. In fact, as you read through, it sounds like he anticipated the criticism that would come. But even more important, again, remember, let's say you're you're talking to someone that you're studying Daniel and and, uh, somebody might have read a book on higher criticism and they came to the conclusion or they learned perhaps in a seminary class higher criticism and they bought into a theory that Daniel wasn't written by Daniel. Remember most of the arguments that people have against the Bible or against a true event in the Bible actually aren't with the Bible. Their problem is with what Jesus believed. Because in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is recorded as saying, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, and then he gives instructions standing in the holy place, whoever reads him, let him understand. The real issue is Jesus believed Daniel wrote Daniel. And so the issue really becomes, do you believe what Jesus said or not? Because for Jesus to say this, either A, he believed and taught a lie, that's an option, that by the time Jesus came along, these theories of the criticism of Daniel would have already taken place. So you have Jesus, maybe he, you know, maybe he's believing a lie and teaching it. Or he's just deluded 
and he doesn't know what to believe, so he's just going on with whatever is common in the day, or he is who he said he is, he's God in human flesh, and he knows Daniel's the prophet, and he uses Daniel the prophet as an example for end times events. And I have found over the years, not many people, although it's changing these days, but I've found over the years, not many people are willing to call Jesus a liar. Some are these days, uh, but not many are. And it really challenges them like, well, what did, if Jesus thought Daniel wrote it, then what's the issue? And so in Matthew 24, 15, for your reference. So like Daniel and Babylon, we need today to be men and women standing in purity and believing God's word. Believing the outstanding, amazing claims of God's word. Because some of them are just outstanding and amazing. They're, they're just beyond human understanding. We need to stand for what it's right with conviction. We, we need to follow in the footsteps like the church in the first century. Would you turn over to Acts chapter 5 verse 12? Acts chapter 5 verse 12 is to the right as we learn, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. Draw your attention to verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Meanwhile, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And the believers who were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade, no one else dared join them, though everyone had high regard for them. And more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women and as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that even Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Verse 16, crowds came in from the villages around Jerusalem bringing the sick and they're possessed by evil spirits and they were all healed. And I just think what an incredible time for the early believers. Signs and wonders were being done. The miraculous was happening. And the result wasn't some new miracle crusade or some gathering together. It was just changed lives. People being saved. Families turned around. And God's judgment in the church always results in a powerful move of His Spirit. When Ananias and Sapphira were dealt with, then it opened up for the Holy Spirit to come. When I think of Achan in the time of Joshua, once, he was, once his sin was revealed and judged, victory returned. And God needs to reveal anything, any type of sin that you're hiding so that life can return to you. Because living in hidden sin is not life. It's death. The wages of sin is always death. One of the difficulties about embracing the resurrection is that without a death, resurrection can't take place. And you know, Ananias and Sapphira revealed the, the wickedness. I'm grateful that that God doesn't do that today. Just wiping people out for lying and stealing and, and compromise. But it was a, a reminder to the early church. You know, we still experience pain when sin's revealed today. There's still consequences. But life comes as quickly as you grasp it. What is needed in the church today is a commitment to holiness and purity. And when I mean the church, I just mean our church. I mean, I... I'd love to see it, you know, a wave among the church, but like we're just responsible for our house, our lives. And what's needed for us is that consistent, solid teaching of God's word to remind us of his purity and his holiness. You know, the Bible brings healing and health to the body. Like husbands are instructed that we might wash our wives with the water of the word, that as a church, we might be washed with the water of the word. 
And even today, the scoffers not only undermine the Bible, but they make fun of Bible study. I suspect that at least one person tonight, somebody made fun of you for coming to Bible study. Somebody asked you, what are you doing that for? Somebody said, you can listen to that on, online or you could get, grab that. Or you don't, you're, you, someone's trying to undermine just even your desire to be fed the word of God, to receive it, to, to say, well, you know, that, that's just one teacher's opinion. But the Bible already covers that, does, doesn't it? It says, just test all things, hold fast to what is good. That, that we take what we learn, but like if we don't present ourselves to the word of God, then it won't have a change in us. I mean, you can listen to, or you can watch a, you know, maybe you're binge watching right now a favorite show, and that's just what you're doing, just watching a favorite show. If it's, if you're binge watching something on Netflix, it is not building you up spiritually. It's just not. It doesn't mean it's sin, doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means you're not being built up. If all you do is have a, staring at a screen, playing video games on your phone, it is not building you up. It is passing time. At the very best, it's passing time. At the worst, it's wasting time. But I tell you, if you just spent five minutes in God's word, you're going to have five minutes of edification or an hour or a half hour. If you just take your app on your phone and just listen to the word of God, just listen to it. Just let it soak into your mind. If, if you even take some music that glorifies God, then, then God will build you up. But we... We don't do that, and therefore we suffer. We aren't dedicated to a consistent diet of God's word, and therefore we suffer. For me, because my life is centered around the word of God, I have to be especially careful because I can just be a professional studier, finding things to talk to you about instead of letting God talk to me first and foremost. That's why, why else would I teach? If God wasn't speaking to me, then I'm just a mouth mimicking whatever I read or whatever I heard. I need to, I want to, I want to open the Bible not just to, to read and study for you. The Bible is for me first. And we, we would do well to dedicate ourselves to the word. We would. People need to be set on a rock and taught God's word. The Bible is like a mirror, James says. And when you open it, you see how God sees you and it draws you to him. The word of God is a cleansing agent in our lives. Jesus said in John 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How would we ever come to the place of repentance if we didn't have a Bible open, letting the spirit of God speak to us? And then there we are going, oh man, what are you doing there? What's happening, Jacob? How could you let that happen? Or David, what were you thinking? And all the while God's saying, yeah, I see what David's, yes, I see what David's doing. And then he begins to say, oh no, look in the mirror. Who do you see? You're like, oh man, not, not David. I actually see a little bit of myself in David's decision. And then you just have a conversation with God as he speaks to you about your life. And he draws you to himself. Our time as our time in Bible study, our time in devotions, our time gathered to us as a church, our time with the Bibles open before us is not a self-help session. You know, we're not watching Dr. Phil as he assesses our life in five-minute segments. Five minutes of Dr. Phil, ten minutes commercials. That's not why we're gathered. 
We're not gathered to figure out how to help ourselves, how to handle our emotions, how to lead our families, how to control our finances. Our time gathered together is first and foremost to worship God. He's on center stage. He's not someone that's just going to dispense little uh, tidbits of information so you can have a better life. He's giving you and discipling and changing us so that we can give a better life to others. And while we're serving others, we're blessed. While we're thinking of others more highly than ourselves, we're blessed. Our time to gather together is to worship God and to bring change and development in our lives. It's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God that brings lasting change. Pastor Ed Taylor on what leads to lasting changes in our lives. And he'll be right back with more on Abounding Grace. We're in the early going in our study of Daniel. Today's message goes by the title of Daniel, a Man of Purity. If you'd like to hear this message or previous studies in the series, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen to us through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. We also offer a podcast, and look for that where you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, authored by Mark Rogop. Now, this book seeks to restore the lost art of lament and will help you discover the power of honest wrestling with the questions that come with grief and suffering. We'll send you the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Request it right now when you call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. Large or small, your gift will be greatly appreciated and used to point people to the abounding grace found in a relationship with Jesus and through the study of His Word. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. We continue to live stream our services at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Watch us through our app, website, or on YouTube. That's Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. Study the Word in the middle of the week, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We can tell you more about us at calvaryco.church. Let's pay a visit to 2 Timothy as we close. Turn over now to 2 Timothy. And of course, you know, we haven't read anything in Daniel yet. It's all preparatory. It's all preparatory. So you have these seeds planted and you're equipped with the truth. Notice with me 2 Timothy chapter 3. Pick up in verse 13, would you? It says, but, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, remember Paul the apostle wrote this letter to a young man named Timothy. So he's saying, you, Timothy, continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, that from childhood you've made known You've known the Holy Scriptures. Now, isn't that a great testimony to have? Since you were a kid, you've known the Word, Timothy. With all that's happening around you and how difficult it is, and this is a special word to pastors, you know? Pastors and leaders and those that, that serve in the church environment so often deal with other people's problems, with other people's hurts and pains, with other people's difficulties, with other people's, the consequences of their sins. You know, it can just be overwhelming at times. 
You know, if we as a church, we see seasons, and some seasons are harder than others of what we're dealing with. And, you know, I, I think of the youth, the guys that serve in the youth, you know, and the youth go through seasons. Um, there are seasons of cutting, there are seasons of suicide, there are seasons of hopelessness, of peer pressure. It's just seasons, and it's so difficult, and it's so hard. And so what, he, what, what does he say to those that serve? He says, you know, you stay strong. Continue in the things that you've learned and you've been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, that as a kid, you've known the Bible. And that's what you've learned, and that's what you're to continue in. The Bible, the truths of the Scripture, that from childhood you've known the Scriptures that are able, look, what is the Bible able to do? Number one, make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's where wisdom comes from. And, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, which would include Daniel, by the way, and is profitable for doctrine, teaching you what's right, for reproof, teaching you what's wrong, for correction, teaching you how to get right, and for instruction in righteousness, teaching you how to stay right. We've spotlighted the purity we find in Daniel, and next time on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will go on to focus on Daniel the prophet. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.